Let's turn to the gospel, uh, chapter 2 of Luke's gospel, verses 1 through 7. A very familiar story. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken to the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own hometown to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and lineage of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable in your sight. You are truly our blessed rock and our redeemer. Amen. Advent uh, is the time that I, I prepare spiritually for Christmas, and one of the ways I prepare spiritually for Christmas is to watch my two favorite Christmas specials, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the original version, not the terrible Jim Carrey version, uh, the animated version, and really my favorite, which is a Charlie Brown Christmas. Anybody else a fan of a Charlie Brown Christmas? Yeah, I got a lot of love out there. And, and every time I watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special, I, I pick up on something that I hadn't picked up on before, and, and I actually watched it to help prepare me for the sermon, and, and as I was watching it, I, 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 I was transfixed for a moment by the character Pigpen. You know, Pigpen's kind of in the periphery of the Peanuts gang. He's this little boy that is always out playing, and because of that, he has a, a cloud of dust that follows him everywhere he goes. He's, he's largely b- oblivious to the cloud of dust. Someone once asked him about it, and he said simply that he carries around the debris of ancient civilizations in his aura. I like that. Pigpen is of course, one of the kids, and they have to find a role for him in the nativity pageant that they're putting on at the school. And Lucy, who's the director, knows that she has to be careful with Pigpen, so she makes him the innkeeper. Supposedly a top-billed role in the school nativity play. Pigpen learns that there's not much for the innkeeper to do. In fact, if you read the gospel accounts in Luke you'll discover there isn't even an innkeeper. Now, that's a, a, a terrible thing. There's not a little drummer boy also, and I, I hate to break that news to those of you who, who grew up believing this to be the case, but there's probably not an inn. That, that word that's often translated in our English Bibles as inn, Luke 2, 7, the story goes that Joseph and Mary uh, laid down in a stable because there was no room for them, The word that can be translated as in there is the word cataluma. Cataluma means upper room. There is a separate Greek word for in, that is pandokion. Pandokion means in or hostel or a place to receive uh, travelers. It's found in the very familiar story of Luke 10, the story of the Good Samaritan. Remember in that story, the Samaritan finds a man lying beaten and bloodied on the side of the road. He, 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 he transports this man to the next town, books him a room in the inn, and pays for it in advance. That's not Cataluma, that's Pandokion. 
Cataluma's found one other place in the Gospels. In Mark 14, that word Cataluma is mentioned. This time, Jesus, remember, sends his disciples into town and tells them to go and prepare the Cataluma for the Passover meal. Now, we don't translate it there. Jesus said, go to the Hotel 6 and get me a room for the night. We translate it there. This is the upper room where the disciples and Jesus shared his last meal. Cataluma means upper room. Bethlehem houses looked something like what you're seeing on the screen behind me. They, they mostly had two rooms. They had a, a, a lower room, which is where you would do the cooking and, 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 and cleaning and, and all sorts of family activities. And then they had this upper room, sometimes called the guest room. And in the winter months, when it was especially cold, that's where you wanted to sleep, right? Heat rises. You would bring the animals. If you had a donkey or a cow, you would bring the animals into the shelter of the lower room, and you would make it a stable for the animal to spend the night in and get the animal away from the elements. You don't believe me. You don't want to sleep next to a donkey, right? You would sleep upstairs. So when Joseph and Mary arrive in Bethlehem, remember, it is their hometown, both Joseph and Mary have family in Bethlehem. They have relatives in Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, they would have expected to stay with those family members. Somebody that was related to them would have said, we will make room in the Cataluma for you to stay the night. Especially given Mary's condition. They would have expected to have stayed with their family. Now, in my mind, it would be much easier if the rejection of Joseph and Mary had been done by an innkeeper lost to history, right? A cranky, gray-bearded old fellow with the personality of Walter Matthau who turns them away as they appear at the front desk and says simply, I can't be bothered with you tonight. But the idea that it was their own family, their relatives, their friends who said to Joseph and Mary, there is not Cataluma for you. There is not room for you. It's much more difficult to digest. I sometimes when I read this verse, I say to myself, well, I, I would have made room for Joseph and Mary, especially given the fact that Mary was obviously pregnant. I wouldn't have made that mistake. But would I? Christmas is fast approaching. God is about to do an amazing thing again. God is about to be born into our world. Peace, hope, love, and joy born into our world and born into our lives, but only if we make room for that. My, my guess is their, their relatives didn't turn them away or turn them away from the upper room because they were callous or they didn't like Joseph and Mary. My, my guess is that, that they were already tucked in for bed at night and, and it was cold and, and they simply called down from the upper room, make do as you can, we'll deal with this in the morning. Which is how I tend to approach the Christmas season. There, there, there's so much to be done. There's so many things to do. There's so much to prepare for the holidays that I'll deal with Christmas, the holy day, when I can find time. Until then, there's really no room for me to think about the promises that might be born 
on Christmas Eve in my soul if I make that room. You see, in order for Christmas Eve, that, that, that miracle to happen in our souls, we've got to be souls that are open to peace, joy, hope, and love. And to be open to these things, we've got to clear our souls of the things that would prevent us, right, from making room. Imagine your Uncle Albert uh, writes you a note. He, he doesn't have a phone, so he can't text you. He writes you a note, and he says, good news, I'm coming to see you at Christmas time, right? I'll, I'll be there on the 23rd. You, you, you're thinking about Uncle Albert, and you're thinking, we've got to make room for him, right? We, we've got to set up an upstairs bedroom for him to sleep in, right? We've got to make sure there's clean sheets on the bed, and the floor is clean, and there's room in the closet for him to hang his clothes, right? You're going to make plans for Uncle Albert to stay with you. You're going to sacrifice a bit of your time and schedule in order that he will be comfortable when he arrives. Friends, for Christmas to be anything meaningful for us this year, we have to make plans. Not just for the cookies and the travel and the gifts and the cards, but for the spiritual capacity to believe in Christmas, to believe in hope, love, Joy, peace, to make sure that we as innkeepers can say to God on Christmas Eve, there is room, be born in my heart, fill me with wonder, or we can just let the holidays approach as they will and get through them and pack it all up. And repeat the same cycle again next Christmas season. Is there room in your heart right now for Christmas to be born? If not, how will you make that room? How will you open yourself up to wonder? And here's guys, the pastor at St. Luke's Methodist Church in Maryville. And uh, we were getting ready for the Christmas Eve service. It was a 7 o'clock service. And... Uh, it was a, a big service, and, and as always, there's lots of stuff to be done, lots of details to do, and I'm, I'm rushing around uh, trying to make sure everything's ready, and, and at, at some point, uh, maybe 10 minutes before the service starts, I, I remember that I had left in my office some notes that I needed for a part of the service. I was in the sanctuary at the time, and so I walked from the sanctuary back towards my office, and to get to my office, I had to walk through the main entranceway of the church, and of course, 10 minutes before 7, this entranceway is filled with people, and, and I didn't want to get stopped by people who wanted to say hello, and, and so I said to myself, if I walk kind of with my head down and with a purpose, people won't stop me. They'll assume I'm busy and let me go, and, and it worked. I got all the way to my office door, not a single person stopped me, and then I heard a voice Pastor Tom, and it was Isaac. Every church has an Isaac. Isaac's the kid that always has the answer to the children's lesson, right? Isaac's the kid that always tells us maybe more than we need to know that's going on in their home life, right? Isaac is full of energy and enthusiasm and love and just a great all-around kid destined someday to be either a politician or a preacher or maybe both, right? So, so Isaac in this church, probably six, seven years old at the time, Pastor Tom, Pastor Tom, and I, I knew I could not get away from Isaac, and so I stopped and looked at him and said, what is it, Isaac? 
And Isaac said, Pastor Tom, you got to come with me. I just saw Jesus' star in the sky. And I looked at Isaac and his face. I could tell he had seen Jesus' star in the sky. But I had about seven minutes till go time. And I was trying to think of what lie I could tell Isaac as to why I couldn't go with him when a miracle happened. Isaac's mom saw that he had stopped me and called out to him, Isaac, leave Pastor Tom alone. Can't you see that he's busy? I wanted to run up and kiss her at that moment, but that wouldn't have been appropriate. Isaac dutifully left my side and went to go be with his mom, and they sat through the service, and we had the service, and the service was over, and I was, I was helping to clean up, and, and I, I like to be the last person on Christmas Eve to lead the church. It's just this wonderful moment when, when I feel like I'm alone with God there, and I was telling God, hey, we did a pretty good job tonight. We, we celebrated the birth of your son. Christmas was here, and now it's over, and I can relax. And just as I was thinking those thoughts, I remembered what Isaac had seen. And so I walked out the front doors of the church, it was cold, it was dark, probably nine o'clock at night. I looked up at the sky, and I looked for that star that Isaac had seen, and I couldn't see it. I looked and looked and looked, and it wasn't in the sky. And I remember at that moment saying to myself, what kind of believer are you? that you no longer have eyes with wonder to see the star that God has hung in the sky this night. Oh, how I longed in that moment to see that star. And I was reminded in that moment that all of the work that had been done was for naught if there wasn't room in my heart to see what God had done that night. It's staggering for me to think about the fact that God was born in Bethlehem in human form and the only people that took notice were Joseph and Mary and a bunch of shepherds in the fields. There wasn't Cataluma in any of their hearts. They simply tucked themselves in for the night and dreamed the dreams of all good people. Christmas is coming. God will be born again in human form on Christmas Eve night. God will bring the power of hope, joy, love, and peace to our hearts, but only if we make room. Make that room. Read Luke 2, 1 through 7 every day. I've been doing that. It's filling my heart with wonder. Resolve that every time you pass by one of those red kettles, you'll put something in it, even if it's a prayer. Open yourself up to spend time with children. They get it. They look for those stars in the sky. And most of all, resolve to let go of the things that will clog up room in your heart so that you will believe. Believe. Maybe there is an innkeeper in the story after all. Maybe the innkeeper is you and I making the decision on Christmas Eve, will there be room in our hearts for the Christ child to be born? Would you pray with me?
God of Christmas, you are already on the move towards the Bethlehems of this world. Move towards our spiritual home. Help us let go of the unforgiveness, the shame, the past, our failures, our doubts, our struggles. Help us to clean house of these things that there will be room. Cataluma in our hearts when you arrive. The glory of your name we pray. Amen.